This episode of Data Mesh Radio is brought to you in conjunction with Next Data, the startup Jamak Dehani, the creator of Data Mesh, formed to focus on many of the challenges we discuss here in Jamak's Corner. As she states in her post announcing the company, if you are a rebel who shares our cause, a data leader who wants to adopt and help design our technology, or an investor interested in shaping the future of analytics and AI, we invite you to get involved at nextdata.com or by emailing hello at nextdata.com. I do encourage you to reach out to my good friend and awesome co-host in these episodes, Jamak. This specific episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Jamak. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and to really discuss Jamak's views on the now and the future of data mesh. What is possible now? What can we do to set ourselves up for success? And what is her ideal picture in the future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully you get some great insights as well as seeing another side of the funny and wonderful person behind the data mesh paradigm and next data. Please do also follow Jamak on LinkedIn and Twitter for more interesting insights and to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested. Welcome to another episode of Jamak's Corner. So, Jamak, thank you so much for for being here. Um, you talked about in in uh, the past episode about you know getting to business value. Um, a lot of people when they're trying to figure out how to get started, they're trying to figure out what should I do, where where should I look, what should I find a an easy low risk use case, but maybe not that high of of return. Should I look at um, biggest bang for my buck and really, you know, kind of knock everybody's socks off? Or should I look for one where I can get something into production relatively quickly? Um, You know, uh, Sean Kaiser and Gustavo Drakenberg on, on an episode talked about it was six months for them to build out their first data product, including the, the platform when they were working with, with their client. So like, what do you recommend? And yes, no one size fits all, but what, what do you start to recommend people that they start to look for, for their initial use case or use cases, you know, should it be multiple data products? How do you think about somebody figuring out, okay, we're, we've got, we've got the budget, we've got the, the buy-in. Well, how do we get moving? <laughs> Yeah, great, great question. Um, and, and thank you for having me uh, here, Scott. So I think in last you know episode, we talked about a framework that can drive the execution of data mesh and can give people some uh, pointers as where to get started or how to get started. And one of those kind of um, aspects of that framework was that, uh, you know, be business driven, build something end to end. And I just want to emphasize that the early use cases that you pick so that you are 
business driven so that you do end to end they're really a means to an end they're not the end themselves right they are vehicles of execution that keep you honest so keep you honest in terms of not over engineering your platform not building a ton of data products that nobody uses right so again it's not about in early days it's not about Yay, we build a point solution, you know, we build a use case and it has some flavor of data mesh in it because it's really early days, right? These use cases are ways of us to stay honest, to show value and prioritize what matters. But at the end of the day, we want to stay away from building a point solution that is greatly, you know, um, overfit to this particular use case but it doesn't, you have to rebuild the whole platform or tech stack for another use case. So I just want to clarify the purpose of early use cases. So then if you think about that, that objective and that purpose, being honest, being the right, building the right thing and, and have a way of exploring, because in the early days, you were still bootstrapping, you're still exploring what's the right way of adopting data mesh in my organization, how, you know, how should the technology platform look like? Like, what's it, what, what are the elements of governance we have to, you know, computationalize, and if that's a word. So you're still in that exploratory phase. So with that, then the type of use cases you want to pick are allowing you space to explore. So what do I mean by that? If the use case that you picked is the highest visibility, burning, you know, uh, business business case that a launch of a product or a launch of a service is absolutely attached to it, please do not choose that use case, right? Because the the push and pull of let's do the right thing versus let's do just cobble it together, point solution, maybe some tech debt, let's go out because now we have this very visible milestone attached to it. Uh, that's probably not a good use case for exploration phase, right? So build use cases that, of course, choose use cases that are realistic. They're not just made up. Uh, people care about them, but they give you time to explore. They don't have those crazy deadlines associated with them. Pick use cases that involve, um, you know, complementary facets of the platform that you need to build. Uh, as an example, if you're picking a use case that is very much targeted for a particular machine learning, you know, training model across like three domains versus, uh, you know, and, and that's a great use case. But if you don't complement that use case with another one that, um, perhaps it's showing a different persona of the users, right? Analysts are writing reports. Those are very different personas on the same spectrum of analytical use cases, but different personas. Uh, so if you don't have these complementary use cases, you may still build like hyper-focused, hyper-specialized, right? Uh, point solutions. So pick use cases that are complementary. Um, and then the other, the other, it, it, I think this evaluation of your top of funnel, like what are the use cases we should pick is really important. And that evaluation actually changes as you go through the explore, you know, scale and ex expand and sustain of, of the phases of your adoption. In fact, um, I just point people, I, I don't try to like advertise the book, but I want to point people to places in the book that I talk about this in the strategy and execution chapter of the book, there is a section 
called evolutionary execution that introduces this. If you see this like execution of data mesh as an S curve of innovation diffusion in your organization or innovation adoption in your organization, you start with exploration and bootstrapping, and then you scale. Hopefully, you're super successful. Everyone would be everyone want to play in this data mesh ecosystem, and then you go to scale, and then you you start sustaining and probably repeating these S curves many 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 times. Uh, so in that initial phase, then it's really important to pick your early adopters. So I describe in the book in terms of like domain selection, for example, and the metrics that show you that you're picking up the right domains. Again, pick the domains, pick the use cases that do not require data products across the business, across all of the domains, because you'll be building data products for a really long time before you get value. As an example, marketing use cases are wonderfully rich use cases, but they need data from across the business. They need data from across the product. They need to, data from across the customer touch points. So they're very, very difficult use cases for the bootstrapping phase. So maybe delay those to a later one. Pick a use case that is contained within, hopefully within a rich domain. So a lot of the data mesh uh, implementations start with um, a particular larger domain within a you know business and you know, like supply chain uh, or customer, you know, customer service, like the, the, in, 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 a, in a domain that uh, the domain can be both the data provider and data consumer. So you reduce some of the, try to also reduce some of the friction that you might face, uh, ease your way into it. Um, so that's, those are also good use cases. But again, if we just pick single domain use cases, we don't, solve the problems of cross domain. So you want to like the next use case, you want to complement that down the road with multiple domains. And most importantly, pick pick the domains that really support this data mesh approach. Pick the business domains or use cases that come from business domains that have that, you know, that are aligned with kind of data mesh. So we talked about characteristics of organization in, in you know a few episodes back, like characteristics of organizations um, in terms of alignment with the approach with data mesh. And one of them was tech and business, you know, collaboration, close collaboration of tech and business around business domains. So then out of those business domains, pick the ones that probably currently are, you know, data oriented. They have resources to allocate to this, uh, to this work because you really, the, the knowledge of the data, then the knowledge of the use cases come from the domains and should come from the domains. Uh, so pick the ones that are your allies and, uh, and and probably technologically also most advanced, right, in terms of getting up and running and building it. So hopefully, you know, the, the framework of this SKF of adoption plus some of these um, pointers that I shared help picking a group of complementary use cases that are great vehicles for execution to keep us honest, to do what's right now. Um, you know, without either boiling the ocean too much and not showing any value doing what, I don't know what the team was doing for six months, but like, you know, putting a lot of effort up front when it's not needed um, or, or building point solutions, like finding that nice, right, balance in between. And I, and I would say this is, this is a lot of what I just shared. It's a combination of organizational change combined with, uh, product management craft, right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of pieces of data mesh are products, whether it's the data products or the platform, they're all products. 
And there, there's about 50 things I could react to in there. But um, so one thing when you started to say, you know, don't pick, uh, look for ones to where that allow you to explore and don't go for overly high profile. I thought you were going to say that because of the risk reward. And that that there's, you know, uh, if, if it doesn't go perfect, then, you know, uh, oh, this data mesh thing is, is, is bad. But I really do like that that aspect about explore because we we do need to part of this is the value derived from the early journey is the learning so that we can do it better the next time and the next time and the next time. Exactly. And then I, one question I would have, you, you talked about picking domains. You, you talked about picking domains that are willing and maybe picking domains that have where it's the very large concept of a domain, um, you know, had the uh, JGP on from PayPal recently. He was talking about, their concept of a domain is a two pizza team domain, right? So it's a subdomain of a subdomain of a subdomain versus a very high level domain and that it's kind of two subdomains within that domain so that there isn't that business friction, but it's not just a domain that's that's like a, a small domain of, of a few people where they're, they already know their own data and they're consuming it. So I, that's how I was interpreting that. That's actually a nice way. And, and that you're right that a lot of organizations, when we say, Risk and fraud, I don't know, in a, in a financial organization, that actually has many subdomains within it. And you're right, that's a nice place to start because you've got, you're right, you have the separation of consumer provider, but you have the consistency and collaboration, the high collaboration of those teams because they're a part of the same larger business domain. It's like, you know, having a conversation between somebody that's a county over, right, versus the half the world away that doesn't speak the same language, right? You, you've got people that are, are, are incented to work together and, and do that versus that. Um, I think there is another one there. There is another reason for that is that the priorities, right, because you still, the resources coming from the business and the business use cases, right, are one of the priorities of that do, uh, domain. So if the provider and consumer, for the very, very, very early use case, right, of course, we want to have, in later use case, we want them to be separate. But for very early use case, when they're part of the bigger domain, but subdomains within that, the nice thing about that is that the overall priorities of those subdomains fall under the ultimately the same business outcome, right? They're, they're looking for the same, reducing fraud, right? Um, so managing uh, the priorities and resources dedicated to these use cases is um, is easier. And there, there is one thing where I would, um, I don't know if pushback is the right thing, but I, I want to dig a little bit into where you said find domains who are the most technically adept, does that mean that, so from other conversations, what we've seen is ones that go to the ones that are really, really data mature, then you're not building the capabilities into the platform to s- support those that aren't quite as mature. So is it more that they're capable in their mindset and in their drive and in how they understand how how business works? You know, you talked about that in a previous episode of like that the business needs to be savvy and data oriented versus this is somebody who <laughs> if you're going to build something for them they're already able to to do all the technologies you're going to be working with and so it, you know to kind of wow them and, and get uh, more value out of them you have to go way way beyond and do all these these super cutting edge things 
versus like kind of building for the the masses and and you don't want to go too simple because then the masses you're also not really helping the masses you're not uh reducing their friction so yeah that's a super good point so maybe i expand what i meant and i do agree with you that you've got to find you know a representative domain right not the domain not not the outliers so when you're exploring you want to explore within the bell curve you know middle of the bell curve not the outliers um, uh, so, so I guess what I was thinking was you want to remove the, the, the rational behind it is that you want to remove as much unnecessary friction as possible because you have a lot of those already that you have to deal with in the exploration phase and smooth, you know, the processes or approaches. And some of the, some of the friction, unnecessary friction, I would say is, um, with the applications. Again, data mesh is not a data only solution is highly integrated with your application lifecycle, as in the data comes from application to the company or collaborating data products and go back to the application as applied insights. So uh, if you pick a domain that is using, um, you know, some SaaS product that the domain doesn't even own, they don't, it's, you know, the technology doesn't lend itself to exp- exposing data into in some modern fashion you have a lot of like when i say alignment of technology with um with data mesh that was my point that you know don't pick and i don't want to name any SaaS products and, and get shot tomorrow so if you pick i don't know a legacy mainframe that you know runs but there are many of them actually in in organizations or some external SaaS that you have no control over um, the data is in the guts of some database. You have to run some, uh, you know, CDC. These are these are just frictions that you probably don't want to deal with day one, right? Because you, you at the same time you want to show value, right? And you want to just prioritize solving maybe the middle of the bell curve problems. Um, so I guess in terms of tech alignment, that was that was the purpose. Make, make sure the whole ecosystem of applications and data tooling. Uh, dedicated to that domain um, is not causing you unnecessary blockers. And, and, and I think, um, I think it's coming through from this, but one thing that I think is, is always good to uh, emphasize is that nothing's going to be perfect, right? You're not going to find the perfect domain. It's not going to be the one that, uh, there's always compromise and, and to be um, cognizant of that. Yeah. Pick your battles, like be intentional about, what are you achieving in this iteration of your, you know, in this in end-to-end iteration of the use case that you picked? Be very intentional about what battles you want to fight, which which problems you're going to solve, and which problems you're not solving right now, and you can solve later, right? That's why it's iterative. So in each iteration, you're intentionally picking up use cases that, um, you know, don't cause unnecessary problems you don't have to solve right now. As an example, you may find a lot of rich use cases even might require data coming from different organizations, not even from a different domain, but from different organizations. Please don't pick those ones because negotiating contracts and negotiating agreements with other organizations, changing another organization behavior is really hard, even though, you know, they can be the kind of the nice, sexy use cases that we all want to use and they have great marketing value within the organization. Yes, you want to get to those interesting uh, use cases because of the marketing value, because of the evangelism within the organization to get buying for data mesh. 
but just do them when you know that you can be, you have a higher probability of being successful. I like that. I think that's great advice. So um, again, Jmack, thank you so much for the the time. This is going to be so helpful for, for so many people. So thanks. Thank you for the wonderful questions and hosting me, Scott. See you next time. So thanks again to Jmack. As a reminder, please check out her startup, Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks looking to partner with others and just kind of check it out. And as for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat data mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music. <laughs>